that, that one of the key components of the self is molding reality, not so that it's real, but so that it's palatable. Wow. So, so my sense of self is really kind of a story or even <laughs> a lie that I tell myself in order to kind of ease my progress through life? Yeah, and, and it gets worse. I don't know if you want to hear the and it gets worse part. <laughs> yeah, um, go ahead. <laughs> but there's a whole line of research that then shows that one of the things the self may be doing is uh, leading you to, to believe you have free will when you have no free will. For example, a series of elegant experiments from the 80s by someone named Labette began to demonstrate that when we reach for an object, so right now I'm reaching for a cup, the arm moves first, and then the frontal lobe gets involved, or the self gets involved after the decision is made. And what the self does is thinks that it made the decision, but the arm was moving before the self even knew that the arm was moving. So there's this idea that free will is an illusion, and your sense of self helps to create that illusion that you have free will. Wait, you mean the body <laughs> the body moves first, and then the brain catches up, but then why does the body move? Why did you reach well, for the cup? <laughs> well, what we think is that there are these areas of the brain that get involved that are reptilian old parts of the brain. They've been around for a long time, and, you know, they're very reflexive, and, you know, they're just tied into some very basic motor systems. And they get engaged, and then your arm moves, and about two seconds later, then your frontal lobe gets involved and says, oh, yeah, I meant to move it. What does that say about higher orders of decisions <laughs> that we make? You know, I'm, I'm going to invest in this stock, or I, I'm going to take the job, or... Or I'm going to marry this person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at that right now. Right now, um, you know, we have this study planned. We're having people make a decision of two very benign objects, two different coffee cups, two different garbage cans, two different blades of grass. And what we think is that we can influence which direction they go in by biasing one of their hemispheres. And after they make this decision, they'll come up with a perfectly rational explanation for why they've decided it. How do you bias somebody's hemispheres? Well, we have uh, um, this uh, wonderful machine known as a transcranial magnetic stimulator. So creating the bias isn't the magic. We've known about that for a long time. It's once people have that bias in their brain, will they realize that they have it? And, and we're pretty sure that they won't, that they'll come up with any other explanation like, you know, I like that garbage can because it was grayer, <laughs> you know, or some sort of irrational explanation. And if this extreme view is true, then we think that a lot of our higher-order decisions may come from pretty old parts of the brain, and we only rationalize them later. So there's this secondary aspect to self-awareness that you study. Can you explain theory of mind? Sure. The idea is that I have these thoughts, therefore... When I look across the room and I see another human being, I think that they have the same thoughts that I have. So I can think about what you're thinking about. I can think about what you're thinking about my thinking, and you can think about what I'm thinking about what you're thinking about my thinking, <laughs> right? And we can go back and <laughs> forth with this, like, cognitive gymnastics where we get into each other's minds. And uh, if I can think about my thoughts and my wife's thoughts, it makes for a much richer social interaction than if I'm only thinking about my thoughts, which does happen on occasion. <laughs> um, so the, the idea is that having self-awareness leads to the awareness of others, which then allows for complex social interactions, really leads for a much richer life, uh, particularly a, a uh, much fuller social life. And do these two things, my self-awareness and my awareness of you, 
Do these things reinforce each other, have anything to do with each other? Absolutely. So, you know, the way I see myself in part comes through your eyes. So if I know everybody in the room is thinking that, you know, I just played the worst guitar solo in the world, then I start to think I'm a very bad guitar player. So clearly how I think about what you're thinking about me will influence ultimately how I think about me. Are you saying we use other people as mirrors? Absolutely. But it's also one of the greatest training tools, right? I mean, that's how we work with our kids. You know, I try to build up my daughter's self-confidence by telling her that, you know, she's the best hockey player in the world, and hopefully she'll start to believe it, and then that will improve her performance. I just keep thinking that what you're saying is that much of our experience of life and of the world, and even of ourselves, is a lie. Yeah, um, and you can either be depressed about it or just go for the ride.